we are back for a new, bold, beautiful, and very exciting, a fairly queer podcast. I'm Jeremy. How are you doing over there, Sam? Oh my God, I am great. I have never been better. That's a lie. But I'm doing doing pretty good. Okay, well, these adjustments are very real and can be very dynamic and take place over minutes, days, weeks, beyond. So we are here and our topic today is really exciting for me because I've had a lot of feelings and a little bit of um, indirect but very um, empathetic and sympathetic dealings with dot 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 drum roll. Cancel culture. We're talking about cancel culture today, and I personally would love to cancel cancel culture, which just sounds like not a if get, Not if I cancel you first. Oh, shit. It's a really important conversation, especially with what's going on in the country right now, because oh, there's sort right. of this metamorphosis that's happening where a lot of things and ideas and people are getting canceled, uh, if you want to use that term to describe it. Um, So I feel what comes along with these sort of social changes uh, or social enlightenments also is a sense of fear of talking about ideas openly and honestly for fear of saying the wrong thing. Um, So that's why I think it's really important to have these discussions about cancel culture. So I'm going to let you start and have the floor, Jeremy. Uh, How would you define cancel culture? How would I define cancel culture? Well, as a queer, um, multi-gendered white person who just turned 39 a couple of weeks ago, my understanding of cancel culture is that a bunch of kids trolling on the internet um, go digging for shit to um, uh, put some public persona in entertainment, politics, uh, someone with a with a hefty following, and create um, a online uh, uh, torch. And uh, what is the other thing in Beauty and the Beast? They have torches and they have... State, right? What are the poker things? A big garden tool, torches, right? Remember when there's a mob, they have talking about pitchforks, pitchforks, yes, pitchforks, and and they bring online online torches and pitchforks, and they they do a kill the beast, they do a kill the beast because of this information that they often dig up from the past. And then they try to ruin someone's reputation online. That's my understanding as a definition of cancel culture. This is is where Jeremy and I disagree. Because that's his understanding. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that seems... Oh, well, it's editorial. It's editorial. I'm not... I am not... I I don't find cancel culture really objective in the face of their crypto objectivism. So So, let's just say I'm I'm not... I don't believe in... can be objectivity on this matter. That, but that's and try. that is certainly an aspect of it as cancel culture has sort of evolved um, and become more prevalent and we become more aware of this idea. But I would just want to, for the sake of the podcast, bring up the 
dictionary.com definition oh, of uh, cancel culture so that we have here. like room to bounce off of that. So cancel culture okay. is defined by, uh, it is uh, cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support, canceling, in quotations, public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in a group in a form of group shaming, which I think there are levels to that. And I think that there are some people that definitely and some companies that should be canceled and should be held accountable. So if we're talking about just holding our public figures and um, and companies accountable for their actions and the things they said and the hate that they might spew, that seems good to me. I think where people are starting to have issue with it is how cancel culture has sort of become this uh, a mob uh, mentality. It's, 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 the utility of that weapon has been used in avenues that maybe it's not meant for, um, or it's been used for fear mongering. And for that, yeah. I object. But I don't object and with the idea of holding people accountable for being shitty. You know, yes. just because they're gay doesn't mean you're not evil. As Joe Phillips would say. True. Yeah. You could identify as gay, something queer, and still be working on yeah. working for the wrong side of history. And really, I all you're like doing is you're just but... stripping you're just stripping that figure of their social privileges because they're being shitty. And should you be stripping people of their social privileges for reasons that are benign? No. Just like in law, which as we can all agree, it doesn't function in the best interest of people right now. Incarceration rates are whack for lots of different minorities, for lots of different silly reasons like small drug offenses. But it's sort of like that. The The crime should match the punishment. And if someone's doing something really shitty, then they should, they should I think they should be stripped of, of some of their social privileges online by uh, the group deciding that, hey, you know, we don't really want you in our community, right? Well, I would say that um, a cancel culture is a full, is a toxic form of a accountability community. I just want to. I'm going to throw that distinction up. I have a sense that um, I am. I am going to try to um, make it very clear that accountability is a must. Accountability is revolutionary mm -hmm. in a wonderful way. We had a whole way. episode of accountability. Right. So, so this is what I mean. And my, if I have one, um, if I have one torch and pitchfork that maybe I'm heading back, that younger people um, have brilliant ideas and they are a wonderful force of change and they are a primary fiery um impulsive force of change dynamic and volatile that goes for the good the bad the ugly and the otherwise but what younger people don't necessarily have is a sense of breadth of time and experience mm. so i have to put that out there immediately the cancel culture can be seen as a very it, juvenile barely half-baked form of accountability so what we're really looking for for these things is accountability and accountability like activism like deep systemic change has to be sustained over long periods of time with with deep research and deep deep connection and a lack of 
shaming. Shaming doesn't do any good because it's reactionary. And that's really the, the platform and that's the place, that's the doorway I'm walking into for this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with you on the sh- on on that point. I think where I differ is that we think of a mob mentality of, as being patently a, like a negative thing, um, which I agree. It definitely has negative aspects. But when we're talking about cancel culture, like let's say I'm going to give an example, Donald Trump probably yeah. should be canceled, right? So. He, it should be put in jail, though, because canceling is just the tip problems. of the iceberg. But it's about stripping people of their social privileges um, in terms of their their reach. So a lot of those people that, whether you want to use the term canceled, held accountable, whatever, they tend to be on the top of the pyramid. So, uh, for example, um, this sort of conversation was spurred on by a lot of drama that's happening on the YouTube beauty community surrounding Jeffree Star, who's had a lot of allegations of racism and uh, misogyny and uh, self uh, promoting self-harm and a lot of stuff, both past and present. So I should mention all these things are alleged. There's information out there. It's public information, so don't look to me for that information. You can find it. There's plenty of uh, videos on YouTube about it. So this is a person that is on the top of the beauty community food chain. And I think a problem that a lot of people are having is, do we want this person to represent us as a whole just because they're rich and powerful? And I think that's a problem is that these people have so much power. These people that, quote unquote, need to be canceled or held accountable. They have so much power because of money and uh, social impact that it does take a collective to say, okay, we are we are going to hold you accountable right now. We don't want you in our community. We don't want you spewing hate or representing us because we're not about what you're about. And they, they want to eject them. So I, I think I can see both sides. Yes, and I am very grateful that you will be upholding both sides. I think there's something... I always hold up both sides. Oh, do you see? Especially if there's no tops. Oh, poor Sam. We've got to find you a submit some. No tops at the orgy. Oh, well. Well. (laughs) Wow. Well, Sam, here's my. uh, uh, Another inroad I want to take. It's like, I think. That I think there's something that as a queer adult that I was talking about with a, a, a deep, long sister of mine, um, that um, there's an age group of people who have always had the Internet and yeah. fast Internet. And so they they it's kind of I think whether they admit it or not, it's part of their psyche in a way that for like maybe people born in the 80s and the early 90s it's not like we like the big question is social media is a form of advertising social media is a form of surveillance social media is a is a um is a uh, communications marketplace and like you know city center um that in which there's often not a whole lot of accountability because everyone yeah. now feels the right to spew whatever they want. And the thing is, there's no consequences. The golden rule of decent human beings in the internet age is if you're not 
if you're not brave enough to say it to someone's face, then you putting it on the internet and then just walking away is is just the most basic thing. Like, what kind of human being are you in the first place? So I'm going hard today. I'm going hard because it's my responsibility as an adult to, like, say, like, yeah, I've been there. Like, I feel very adult for saying I was in high school in the 90s and we had computers and the internet and email had come out enough. I was working class, so I was behind the curve. But, um, like, I was thankful that, that the internet brought people together. And now, it, like, instead of another technology that can help make life easier, it is causing people shame, like, or it's causing people pain. It's become a, a place for, like, little, little shitheads who need to grow up to just go on a, uh, they're not being held accountable. They're not being held accountable. It's just such hypocrisy at a level that just like makes me want to uh, shit hot bile. I think though, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be playing devil's advocate quite a, a lot here. Oh, Cause I have very, yes. conf- I have very conflicted feelings on this. Cause honestly, I can see a lot of different sides. There is a certain uh, resentment that everyone has for keyboard warriors, myself included, and the internet can be a very reactionary place, primarily because we are always, it's part of its design now, where we're constantly bombarded by images and media, which is uh, manufactured to get a reaction out of us. So it's very hard not to be reactionary, but I also feel like there is a certain sense of like when I grew up, you know, the internet was a big part of my growing up because, you know, I was bullied in school, yada, yada, yada. And I'd spent yeah. a lot of time on AIM and MSN with online friends. And back then the internet was like the wild west. It hadn't, they hadn't tapped into its potentiality to uh, gather information. The 2000s. Yeah. They haven't tapped into the ability to gather information or sell stuff or use it basically as like this big marketing scheme. And now it's been utilized more and more because everyone is on the internet, not just like kids with no friends in high school. And that's sort of how it used to be. It's either A, you'd use it for work, or B, you'd be playing World of Warcraft. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So um, I think a lot of the frustration and the reason that people feel the need to have this call-out culture, and I I like the word call-out culture because it's important to when someone's doing something, should he call and them out? cancel culture and call-out culture, they're yeah. like fraternal twins. But I think that a issue that people are seeing is that there are people that are being toxic online that have a lot of power and aren't being um, held accountable. Like, I'm going to use Jeffree Star as, yeah. an, as an example again. Um, and nothing is being done within the system to hold them accountable. Nothing is being done to hold Donald Trump accountable with Twitter when he spreads lies and hate and, you know, does whistle or uh, dog whistling. So I think a lot of people see that there is no accountability from up top and they try to use whatever power they have to hold them accountable. It's just often seen um, in a negative light because it can often um, trickle down to less important offenses. Yeah, yeah, like trying trying to take a pot shot at whoever you can for some feeling of satisfaction. 
let's think about Mean Girls. All right, I'm just going to throw that dynamic out there because if if any of us at any age, at any age, are performing in Mean Girl group group shaming, we aren't getting anywhere. So I hear what you're saying, Sam. I just think that our words are powerful. And when we choose to engage in accountability, accountability is a, is a huge part of activism. And um, we're in a bottleneck of, of, of quarantine plus uh, social and racial and economic reform and revolution going on right now at the end of June 2020. So we all in our generations have our talents and our roles to fulfill. And I think that cancel culture, it, it, there, there are much more important things that need to be done. I want to finish this line of thought by saying the frustration, the frustration is, is that uh, deeply entrenched um, systemic um, economic powers, right, whether it's banks or Hollywood or whatever, and the uh, political connections they have Hollywood and politics yeah info like infotainment and politics the debates going to, like this is a whole complex of uh, disinformation and distraction because while we are feeling sorry for ourselves especially Americans in our hyper individualistic culture that these deeply entrenched forms of oppression are building bastion upon bastion of defense and offense that when we do try when we do rise up we realize how many layers it is like a fucking video game how many layers and levels are we going to have to conquer these these crazies so that's what i what i want to do with putting cancel culture in perspective if you want to be an activist there's so many books so many great heroes historical and current that can help us be activists but cancel culture is shitty bullshit middle school hormonal adolescent bottom of the barrel bullshit there's other things we can do fast we are going to take a break i'm going to take a break before jeremy cancels me and we'll be we'll be right back okay we'll be right back folks Jason McDougal taking over for Sam Smith on the Fairly Queer Podcast because he's been canceled. Oh, cancel you. I'm going to cancel your ass so, so hard you, you, you will never realize that I ever cancel. subscribe to you. I'm going to cancel you. Oh, because so I'm a follower. I'm a follower. Okay. I haven't. I had okay. a brilliant moment. I got woke and realized I was a sheeple. Hey, I was a sherpin. Joanna, or I called you Joanna. She's coming on later today. Uh, Jeremy. Yes. Jeremy was luxuriating his breastuses then. So I was about to cancel him for that. Oh my gosh. I am gender floral. I am gender kaleidoscopic. Jesus. So if I'm feeling my oats today from a lot of tea and my sound healing classes, you, I think you can bear with me for a little bit. I quit tea long ago. 
It's the best decision of my life. Well, anyway. black tea? Anyway, moving Herbal on. Tea? So, yes. <laughs> so um, okay, last cancel, section. Cancel, cul- cancel culture. Yeah. The, what's, what, tell us. Sam, we're just we're just in we're in the heat of things. What is this section on, Sam? Yes. Okay. So, last section we talked about we sort of defined cancel culture in our own terms, and we yeah. talked about the social ramifications of it and how we participate in it, its func its functions as well as its dysfunction. So, let's take the word away from it. So let's take cancel culture. We're going to cancel the word cancel culture. And let's talk about in what way we can hold our public pit figures and businesses accountable in a way that is positive and yields, you know, positive side effects. Because one thing, we both watched a video uh, by Liam McAvoy. Shout out to Liam. And one of the things, although I know Jeremy wasn't super keen on it, which is fine, one thing I really thought was very interesting about his video is his him presenting cancel culture as sort of a uh, biological symptom of society. So society, if it was like a body, it is using its immune defense to reject toxic people. So cancel culture sort of, in his opinion, was a by, like a like a byproduct of that. So how can we change this sort of effect that we have in order to keep our uh, groups, our societies, our online communities, positive places and hold people that are figureheads accountable? Well, Sam, uh, we've, we've had generations of great activists, especially social, economic, racial justice activists, um, say hit him where it hurts. You want to you want to make a statement? Throw away your Jeffrey Star makeup. Don't That's a buy waste of makeup though. Don't throw it away. Just don't but buy it. But it's a but it's a statement. When someone sees that you aren't going to be buying their products anymore, and you don't even want your he's your already vibration. The, he's already got the cash, ho. But you got to stop the flow of cash. If you want someone that if you want our hit them hit hit anyone where they hurt you're gonna hit them in their pockets yeah so, i agree and that's just the thing that's where class that's where the classism comes in that's where realizing that these people at the end of the day if if you it's like rupaul says and she's problematic enough as it is but if they ain't if they ain't paying your bills if if you're not helping pay their bills they ain't gonna pay you any mind that's the truth to use a double negative so the economic force is really such an act- activistic force. Buy, buy makeup from people of, that aren't of color. That, that, right. Buy products from, from wonderful um, artists and artisans of, of color, queer folks who are making wonderful vegan, like good for the environment and good for economic flow. Yeah, we three, want to three get of your peers already have makeup land, brands. Go support them instead. There's Trixie. Right. There's Willem. Oh, I don't know about Trixie. Oh, okay. There's Willem. Willem's okay, right? Sure. Okay. There's Willem. And sure. there's Kimchi. Oh, and um, a meatball from and LA. Meatball. I really has a new palette. Yeah. It's a really lovely palette. It's got press glitters in it. But. But the key, the key to the rite of passage in the internet is doing enough research and always having in mind 
that these things change quickly and you've got to be willing to fess up and say, this is where I got my information from. If we follow the money and we follow the information, this is the power of the of of my life as an academic. You've got to have your receipts. That's what they call it on the Internet. You've got to show your receipts. You've got to have the evidence. Yes. Everything so, else like, is just we need we need we need to put our our footnotes and endnotes on the internet so that people can find this information and then we can talk about it because adults have adults and wise mature people have learned a certain level of patience with hearing things that they don't agree with Amen. and i think and i think that's just real if if you don't like what what i've done you know what i'm going to i'm going to go on the record I am a very I'm I am sex starved right now, and I'm starting to get to the point where whatever part of the year in quarantine and community that I'm missing, that my hormones are on fire. So I probably like this hormones on fire. I probably I probably pop off as a little intense and like willing to be very flirty and stuff on Instagram because I want to meet people, I want to talk with people, and I want to flirt with people. And if they want to if they want to have full-blown queer slut pride like I do, it is always slut pride season. I am a liberated creature. It's too early. <laughs> but not right, but but I mean, there's a whole culture of of sharing, caring on our even though it's probably very surveyed internet. And so, like, I have become very concerned that I come off too strong, that the only thing I'm interested in for for people so is, So are you like, saying that you're afraid of getting canceled because you're a whore? Well, I, I think that I think I'm going to put myself on the line and say that if someone doesn't like my attitude, they'll they'll um, talk to me about. Now, there was this one instance where I, I just asked someone who I like and admire and think is really cute on Instagram if they wanted to have a FaceTime. They ghosted my ass. They ghosted my ass. And now I'm just like, oh, hey, hope you're doing well. I'm sorry, like, Jeremy. I'll unblock you. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It was so uh, easy. It was too easy. Sam. Uh, uh, okay, I do I, actually. This is, what, this is the treatment I get off the mic and off the cameras, folks. Just so that you know. This so, is, the, this is the, the abuse I have to take from. At least one Pisces a day. So, okay, here's the real... Well, there's several questions, but I would like <laughs> to pose a question to you because you are a public figure, and obviously everyone that listens know that you are very good friends with a very large public figure, and you've probably yeah, had a lot I'm, of... I'm living the life of sister of sisterhood yeah. so, with, with Miss Alaska, yes. You probably have experience with with being canceled or with just Alaska, sorry, Alaska being canceled after the whole uh, two second sec, second season of All Stars. That was it. Sorry, right. um, it got canceled. So this is something that you have experience with, at least from the sideline. In, indirectly, yes. What I've watched you it say? happen. I have had to help help um, counsel yeah. when I've been asked. Yes. So definitely, you probably have sort of an emotional tie to the idea of someone getting canceled without being heard properly or being misunderstood. So yeah, as my tone like, has been detected today, let's yes. take it with like echelons or like uh, stages or uh, severity. What would your recommendations be for public figures or companies that are being canceled um, for 
any reason, whether it's something very serious that they did yeah. that they need to make an apology for, or if it's something benign, what, how would you react in a way that is not reactionary and is going to be helpful and propel uh, things forward in a positive yeah. way? Okay. Yes. So this is again, editorial. And, and what I, the one disclaimer that I feel is, um, mob culture and fundamentalistic is taking things out of context so if you know anyone who doesn't have the whole scoop and is just sending around little things that's already that 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 uh dumpster's already on fire mm -hmm. okay so let's start with uh fairly benign things off-color comments uh, uh uh and there's a spectrum of say comedy in which the context um, is found to be problematic, at least. Yes. Um, Hashtag I, Bianca Del Rio. Yeah, where's where's Bianca Del Rio's too good to be canceled for the? I mean, the thing is, when we get hit with the truth in the context of comedy, that that queer people aren't always nice people, that misogyny and um, a, bo a bodyism and ageism and like you know, all these isms that come out from drag queens, which in our community have this kind of shamanistic role of keeping our truths in perspective. Yeah. When they speak their truth and someone doesn't like it, someone, they could get clapped back. And the thing is, if you want to be mature about it, it's conversation time. Now, if they don't want to have a conversation about it, then it escalates to these more serious matters of accountability. Right. Someone said someone said something in their past. Someone did something. Someone performed something. Someone was behaving um, indecently um, and said something that hurt someone's feelings, especially someone who doesn't have the same privilege and, and access. Then uh, then I think we can apologize and talk about the transparency of holding someone accountable. If that was something in the deep past. Well, then be aware that you're doing archaeology and you're digging stuff up. If mm. you're digging stuff up, that's some sort of tabloid bullshit. Cut it out. If it's the recent past or if it's present, that's when we can really start going to. And then if we're talking about these ugly. But the past, your past experiences can be a representation often of things that you are currently doing but have become wiser to not project into the public eye. And that is and that is the statement that needs to be made. Well, there's no there's there's no crying and weeping in front of the mob because they feed off of that like monsters. You know, there's yeah, I'm not this person anymore. I'm sorry it it hurt your feelings. Um this is not who I am as a person at the present. I would like everyone to focus on the present because the quantum reality is that those things are both present now. But I want I want the the goodness and the 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 person that I am as an artist, as someone with a public platform, to be focused on what we can do right now together. I because think though. I think though. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So I agree with what you're saying. I I certainly do. I think a caveat that I would make is that. If you're a public figure and you do something shitty, even if it's in your past, here's a great example. Shane Dawson, he's sort of wrapped up in this whole Jeffree Star situation as well. He's got some like pretty astonishingly 
offensive blackface videos. He's taken them down since. You can find screenshots if you'd like, if you just Google it. Not necessarily recommended. It's kind of insane. But like, if I was a black person and I saw that, I would not forgive him regardless of if he apologized. I just know I wouldn't. It's, it looks, it's just far too egregious. And that's my choice. Like, if you apologize, it's still my choice whether or not I receive your apology, receive your apology and forgive you. Like, that's on, that's on me. So yeah, it's great that when people apologize and own up to shitty things that they've done, but there is a certain culture around people with a lot of power and privilege when they do make yes. an apology that's like, hey, I'm making an apology, therefore you have to forgive me. Like, why do you keep on bringing this up? Because I apologized in a video four months ago. It's like, well, because I didn't forgive you. And it's that's my choice. That's my choice if I didn't forgive you. It's not yeah. your choice to make for me. So I think yeah. that's a big caveat is that if someone's going to apologize, they need to recognize, po- you need to recognize if you apologize that um, that some people are just not going to forgive you. And that's the way it is. And that's fine. And that's us. That's that is a, um, a something that happens sometimes when you fuck up. People just yeah. don't forgive you. Right. And, and, and the 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 very local bubble of this is the dynamics we have with our friends. Our friends have hurt our feelings. I've had people do things to me that I never thought would happen, and maybe I'm still a little triggered and traumatized by that. And when I feel upset, those things come up. So of course, these things are a process. But the really important thing is that last level when we're talking about when we're talking about the people in 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 the political and uh, the political media and economic world that um, have any level of power and or no no empathy, which puts them in this psychiatric category of socio and psychopathy, that these people up top who have these layers of these layers, these bastions and moats of protection from or feeling that feeling that they can do anything without any um, repercussions. This is where we're at. This is, these are the yeah. dragons we're facing right now. Which so is what I, which is what we cancel culture is that little tiny, tiny crack at the top of the iceberg when 95% of it is this has been going on for a really long time. And when you get a, awakened to those things and there's a there's whole these- process that's sure. Excuse me. Okay. Yes. Excuse you. Um, Um, So there's a process by which we go through something like deep grieving and we're angry and we're reactionary and we're grieving that our reality isn't what we thought it was. So finding, finding wise, grounded people who know their information, who are known to be helpful and know what the fight against injustice racially, economically, and um, politically, legally is involved in, that's where we're going to make these these things. Because otherwise, cancel culture is a distraction from the ways that yeah. most no, of I us agree. are being undermined by these oppressive imperial um, institutions. I, and, I agree. And, and like we go straight to Trump. 
that we can go straight to Trump and see that he thinks he can say anything. What is it going to take? There are people around the White House. He goes into a bunker, right? You have you have banks that are that have for generations uh, turned the places all around the world that were part of colonial projects. And I'm just going to wrap it up to say that, like, there's so many people at the top hiding at the tops of skyscrapers yeah. in the middle of their country homes. Those people need to be held fucking accountable. Do your fucking historical research. They still they live they still live in comfort throughout the world. We don't know half of their names because all of their minions are the people we're going after. There are layers here. We need to focus on persisting through the layers of oppression and suppression. That's the T, y'all. That's the T. God damn it. Very good. Thank um, you. Before we cut and bring on yeah. our lovely guest, um, I actually do, I want to uh, sort of pivot off of what you just said, yeah. um, which I totally agree with. I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I think that a big problem and why cancel culture has has sort of universally been panned is that it often focuses on people that are touchable, um, not literally, but figuratively, um, because the people, people whom the people, people who might care to know, yeah, people who yeah. would care to actually bother or notice, which it's is easier to cancel people that are lower down the pyramid than the people at the top who seem untouchable. Jeffree Star is, a, again, I bring him up a lot, but he was sort of the catalyst of this whole episode, yeah. is a good example. And an issue that people have is that he's been problematic for so long, but yeah. because he's been, quote unquote, canceled so many times, he's developed an immunity to it, very mm -hmm. similar to Donald Trump. Yeah. So I, like, you know, they say, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. I actually yes. don't remember who did that quote. It's a very famous quote. I'm sure you can look it up. But I agree. And it's, yes, okay, bringing up things in people's past, sometime, sometimes it's kind of a red herring. But when it's used to say, hey, I just want to give you all, all the information about this person that you're supporting so you can go on and make an educated decision of who you're going to support, who you're going to give money to. And if they show that they've continued to be problematic into the their modern era, then that's an issue. But I do agree with you, and I think that's a, a big problem with the way that cancel culture has sort of evolved, is that people that really need to be held accountable aren't being held accountable because they're so high up on that ladder. And yes. then people for much more minor offenses tend to get canceled, especially, and this is a big problem I have with Jeffree Star, when there are people at the top um, that are, um, con I don't want to say conspiring, but conspiring to get them canceled because it's advantageous for them because of the competition. Right. We need to realize that they're exactly what you're saying, Sam, that there is a market and an economic uh, chess game going on, which is why I go back to put your money where your activism is. Yes. We, you know, don't we need... Don't support problematic divas. And also, this goes for anything in your life. Like, the tinge of guilt I have when I, when I, when because I want to quarantine, I go on Amazon and order Whole Foods so I make one less thing. Like, I wish there were health food stores that I could order from independently so like this is a sh this is a call for all people in tech to create apps for independent businesses businesses of queer 
queer um, and uh, persons of color, women, we need to take back the economy away from these monoliths. And we will see, we will see systemic change starting with the easiest thing, the economics. If you, if you're, if you're nerdy and you like law, you do legal. If you love community and education like I do, I stand as a community um, organizer and especially an educational activist to get the to get people aware of the perspective that will motivate them and impassion them for the long haul to make these changes that we're calling for. So I'm just saying I'm doing an open call for um, because we at, at a fairly queer podcast. <laughs> We stand in solidarity with our queer and trans uh, persons of color, our indigenous siblings. Like, please um, bring your perspective here because I know for me, I these are the folks who have exactly the lived. Um, they they have the experience. They have the insight that beyond some of us who have our our white male and otherwise privileges that we it's off of our radar sometimes. So this is a continued call so that we can put the puzzle pieces together and make change. Well said, Jeremy. We'll be back after we'll be these back. short messages. Bye-bye. See you in a moment. Oh, we're back. Oh, it's so great to be back. And Sam, I see by the looks of things that we have a wonderful special guest. Welcome, guest. Why, thank you. Get closer where to the I, mic, baby. Where am I supposed to be talking? Sam yeah, you're talking yes. into this mic. <laughs> Sam is talking And it's going to be like this. <laughs> okay, I'm finally meeting the wonderful Jeremy who I've heard oh so goodness. much about. <laughs> Thank you. Please introduce yourself. Let us know uh, My name what is you Joe. are here on Earth <laughs> doing. Yeah. Um, I am Sam's. Talking to the mic, sweetie. Um, I am Sam's um, some sort of relation via having been the partner of his older brother for many, many years. And we love to hang out and do puzzles together and talk about Lots of interesting social topics. And okay. yesterday we started talking about call-out culture and um, cancel culture in particular. And Sam is always trying to get me to come on the show. So I told him that this was a subject that I would come on the show about. So here I am. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, will, you, will you give that beautiful like mini podcast bio and uh, a little bio about yourself? Uh, what where your perspective comes from and maybe how we can get a get this last section um harmonized with your experience sure um well just a, a little bit about me i am a phd student and teacher i study writing and um women's and queer literature so um that's something that I have in common with the podcast too, I guess. Um, and I'm also just very interested in questions of justice and um, particularly like how communities can create 
more just communities for themselves um, outside of sort of official structures or institutions. So yeah. a lot of times in my teaching and in my own research, I'm often kind of asking questions about how can communities create um sort of alternative forms of justice. So that's one of my interests in cancel culture is because I yes. think that I see people using cancel culture as a way to try and um, address har a lot of harm that's existed in communities for a long time, specifically mm -hmm. around issues like sexual assault. Um, yes. And I think that that's not that that we shouldn't necessarily see cancel culture is a negative thing in that light because it's a direct response and a direct attempt by community members to take control and to address the harm that's happening. Um, but I then think that it kind of ends up maybe not in the long run. I think perhaps it doesn't actually help create more justice. Um, and I'm really concerned about how it kind of keeps people pushes people out and doesn't seem to have a structure for taking them back in. Um, yeah. And I also have some personal experience with that happening in my own friend group pretty recently. So I'd be happy to talk about that as well. But yeah. 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 Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I just want to like resonate and uplift that um, as an activist and as a queer pretty femme, gender multiple which i think when we get to the issue of women's women's bodies um any non-cis white male uh bodies one of the biggest forms of oppression and trauma is um sexual violence mm -hmm. and i think of uh, amongst uh, some of my spiritual communities they say the earth will literally change so much for the better when these people who are in their glass in their in their at the top of the skyscrapers and hidden off all throughout the world in all countries any countries when they are legally brought brought to account for their sexual violence mm -hmm. then we will have a whole new group of people running this world so i just want to let you know how important that is to me between the activism and the, the stories from act from from academics who have experienced these um assault uh, harassment and like there's a whole there's a whole benevolent warrior army of people that if when we all coordinate and share our stories we will literally change the earth through this and so i totally want to want to absolutely uphold that when it has to do with sexual assault sexual violence mm -hmm. that this yeah there, there has to be like say we were talking about there's a virus there's there's something very dangerous that has to be contained. It has to be stopped in its tracks. And if you and if the first step is to shock them with a cancel, blessed be, kitty girl, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then beyond that, it's bringing community and the legal, the legal system. But of course, activism is about making the legal system serve those who have been, um, who have been harmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, the point that you make there at the end, Jeremy, it's, it's one of the things that Sam and I were talking about the other day related to cancel culture, yeah. which does cancel culture impact power or does can cancel culture bring about a change to the power structures that perpetuate harm? So, for example, a legal system, I think the, the, the example of the Me Too movement, and I did just want to also make sure that when we talk about the Me Too movement, that we recognize its founder, 
uh, Tarana Burke, who is a black female activist and yeah. has continued to make um, a major impact on this issue and is now, I believe, actually the senior director of an, an organization called Girls for Gender Equity. So um, I just want to make sure that we talk about her, uh, mention her when we talk about Me Too. But I think Me Too yeah. is a good example of when... Um, something that starts as an activist movement and something that is used and then grows and uses call out culture or cancel culture um, as part of its movement hmm. can then go on to have an impact in the legally because we've now seen some more figures of power, the kinds of folks that you're talking about, including Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein. We see mm -hmm. these men being brought down and being uh, brought to account. But the yeah. instances... And the level which they're being made to account is still so completely out um, out of whack or or mismatched with the level of harm. And so yes. I think it's like it's interesting to see. I think there's a lot of instances, not just with sexual assault, but also racial violence, yes. um, other forms of violence, other forms of gender violence, um, where people are definitely expressing legitimate rage and legitimate um, concerns when they're using cancel culture. Um, I think that then like that also as an activist and as a teacher and a um, emerging scholar, for me, that also raises levels of, of concern around the question, though, of if we do want to build a movement that can have significant change on power structures is pushing people out or and then leaving them out <laughs> always like we need to be able right. to bring them in. Right. It seems like right. cancel culture hasn't made that step yet, right. or at least not yeah. in as much a visible way to right. the step of, okay, bringing people back in. Um, so, yeah, but I think that's like just the, the basic point you make about the potential to um, have an impact on changing a power structure. I think it's there, but does it always work out that way? Um, what's the long-term impact? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think, and I agree. I, I think this is an issue in where sort of your your experience, Jeremy, with working with a public figure, being a public figure, working in entertainment, uh, you probably see a lot of kids online that use ca uh, cancel culture f for its utility to cancel people that they just don't like, mm. which right. is, they're oops, just, sorry, they're I lost just my head trolling. Phone, which they're is certainly they're part of it. Vampires. But yeah. I think that as Joanna is saying, it does yield a function in hopefully holding public figures that are actually um, doing harm accountable. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's a double-edged sword, you know, it can be used for good or evil, so. Right, mm -hmm. right. It's just like we're, when we're talking about community, like in queer community and highly diverse community, we've got such a learning curve, which is why I'm grateful for um, my radical fairy experiences, which is how I got to know Sam, but the mm -hmm. radical fairies are controversial, and the radical, um, and the radical fairies have gone through some real things. Probably are continuing to, because what we see and what I know is that there are like concentric spheres of of uh, power. There are concentric spheres and constellations of agendas, right? Some people are radical fairies because they just want sex parties. Some people are radical fairies because they connect with neo-paganism or they want a, a way of healing that's in a queer circle or with others of like bodies and, and and like experiences so all these constellations like flare up and these stereo settings are very unique for the people and the little subgroups who come in to what we call community 
right? But we know there are outliers. There are people who have agendas, and there are and there are there are sheep's and dragons. Or there are dragons in sheep's pajamas who who literally it's like oh this is a radical community that wants to undermine the system I'm just going to play a pretend fairy and then see what they're made of and then be a virus in the system yeah now the the lovely thing is it goes both ways and I'm thankful for all of my queer femme uh, women academics who are the mu who are the mutants and and the evolvers of the very academic system that can assimilate information and derail activism, right? Mm -hmm. As a previous academic, I know that sometimes all academia wants to do is have the information so they know how to out, so the system knows how to outmaneuver it. Mm -hmm. So it's a double-edged sword. And so our consciousness and our ability to listen to our siblings who come from more oppressed places than ourselves is fundamental. Yeah, and I, I think that gets to another point that I think about is so important when it comes to talking about an issue like c- cancel culture. Um, one thing is that I do want to make a distinction between call-out culture and cancel culture, although I do Wait. think they're, like, totally related. I think call-out culture could be saying, you know, we've called this person out once or twice. We've called this person out three or four times. Maybe at a certain point that gets to the level of, you know, this person is not listening. This person is not changing behavior. This person is not educating themselves. This might raised now to the level of cancel culture or i think another thing is as sam was saying um earlier that cancel culture could also just be directed at someone who from from just previous history of their behavior it shows that they have no interest in changing right it shows that they have no interest in those who they're harming when someone shows you who they are believe them the first time right so like i think that there could be these legitimate uses of cancel culture and but then the other thing is i think um more related to what you were just getting at jeremy i think it's important too to see these tools in the hands of um, those who are most affected by the issues and to yes. then have them be the ones guiding the use of that yes. tool. So then I think cancel culture has grown out of more activist spaces or call out culture in particular, it comes from activist spaces. But that has been kind of adopted into a larger social network and sphere where people are using it for any number of reasons um, and number of contexts. And I think it's probably most appropriate when it's in context where people are being harmed and there's a power discrepancy, right? So situations yeah. where we're, we're trying to use these as tools to hold people accountable. What I've seen then is that that can translate into um, like, how does a like a really microcosm of a community deal with harm. So in yes. my in my own friend group recently, um, I'm a soccer player and I play soccer in a bunch of different um, community spaces in Philadelphia. And in one of those spaces recently, there had been a person with, who was called out by a number of women for be, for behaviors that they found inappropriate and harmful. Um, yeah. And they were sort of verging on sexual assault, sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those people decided that they wanted to have a process of essentially canceling this person from the group. Um, and it's interesting to see then that was like, okay, so here we are in the, on our level as just a small community of folks kind of using these tools that we've been given by a movement. Um, and by and large, I think I felt 
good about what happened because I had not been directly affected. Like I wasn't somebody who was um, accusing the person, but I was affected because this was my community. And I tried to support, even though I didn't necessarily completely agree with everything the people who had accused the other person um, wanted, I supported whatever they wanted because it was their process, right? They're the ones who were harmed and it was their process. Um, the, uh, the thing I remain uncomfortable about is that the person was pushed out and there was no plan for ever bringing them back in. And, you know, that was somebody who I like, it just sort of was like interesting to see how quickly people just totally turned on the person mm. completely and went from like right. 100, this person is invited to every event we have, this person is like a full member of the group to like zero, this person like cannot be even interacted with. Um, and there's just something about that that just doesn't sit, sit right with me, uh, yes. right? Like, um, yes. yeah, yeah, but I, I think it's a really tricky question because yeah. does... Um, I think one of the things that I was reflecting on a little bit when Sam was asking me about this question is how it's also related to the issue of how we address harms in our communities through punishment and like uh -huh. is punishment something we want to perpetuate and I guess it's yeah. something that's on my mind because of right now also um, prison abolitionism being something that is come way more into focus in our in our society and a lot yeah. more people are talking about like defund the police. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, should we be policing our communities and punishing our communities or are there other ways? Are there more like restorative justice type models we could use? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, I. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. sorry. I, was, I, guess, I guess I'll just finish by tying that back to yeah. the original point, which is like, but I also kind of feel like when I'm not the one, especially when it comes to the issue of racial justice, if I'm not the one who's most directly impacted and I'm not as a white woman, um, then I want to respect and follow like what other people who are more impacted are saying they want to use. So if they want to cancel someone, cancel them, right? Like I'm not going to tell yeah. you not to cancel them. Um, but when it comes to like a fuller um, societal level I think we do need a little bit more um, like a, a structure of accountability that can be a little more flexible, I guess. Yeah. That's right. Tough. Right. So um, if we if we can um, put put into perspective as we we end, I'd like to highlight this uh, the question marks here. I think it's important to end with these questions and these question mark mm -hmm. uh, 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 notions for reflection, which is at whatever level that we have our sympathy, our empathy, our own moral compass and our own ethical core. There's, I think, the same way we have, we're sensitive to our, our deep communities and our tribes and our families about restorative justice and full-blown expulsion mm -hmm. is something that really has to do with the whole, the whole gamut of of mental health and psychiatry. Like, because like, I, I personally believe that there's about 90, 90% of the people in the world will do well with restorative justice. And then there's a 10% that are just somehow bred, bred into psychopathy and sociopathy. Mm. And so I think that those people who show who they are, that they're just part of the, the in my spirituality, that, that they are part of the bell curves, the bell curves of just, aim to destroy 
yeah, they don't get they don't get to touch us anymore. But mm-hmm. for everyone, however many times, because if you get so if you get, you are so programmed to think of own to be a devourer and an abuser, and you don't know what the other things even feel or look like, then that's not that's not mm-hmm. like the dignity and the power of the human soul for restorative justice. Mm-hmm. So I think if we put those things out there, wherever we come from, with our perspective. Right. So like being aware of those things, especially with those we're close to and then making doing the practices by which we can be the most uh, supportive and effective in broader communities is, I think, is what we've ended up closing with here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess I can close out my thing by saying that um, I can offer a book recommendation for anyone who might be interested in um, thinking more about some of the topics that we've touched on here, including um, restorative justice, sexual assault, yeah. uh, racial injustice, um, all of these topics. Uh, there's a really great um, feminist science fiction novel by a really great radical writer, Marge Piercy, um, called Woman on the Edge of Time. And if you haven't read Woman on the Edge of Time and you're interested in these topics, I highly recommend it. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well... This has been an illuminating episode for everybody. I hope you all enjoyed joining us, Sam. And me, Jeremy. And and Joe. (laughs) For this episode of a a fairly queer podcast, please follow us on our social media. Joanna, do you want people to follow you on your social media? Uh... I don't know because I don't even know what my social media is. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but you can follow me at NukeMoth at Instagram. You can follow Jeremy at Handsome Jeremy at Instagram. Where else can they find you and support you, Jeremy? Well, besides for Handsome Jeremy 777, I have Orphic Apollo 777 at Twitter, where I generally bring things in from my Instagram. And if you're a Facebook person, um, just let me know. I'm not on there a lot right now. But you can you can find um, a Handsome Jeremy Musical Oracle. It's also connected to Instagram. So there we are, folks. Thank you during this highly revolutionary part of the Northern Hemisphere, especially. I want to give credence to uh, the amount of revolutions that were started or went hot in July. Oh, yeah. So I think we're up for something here as as the world turns and... And we evolve and we uh, increasingly open our hearts and minds to um, justice and equality for mm. all of our siblings. And don't forget to send your questions, comments, concerns, and inquiries to a fairly queer podcast at gmail.com. That's fairly with an hey. A and an E. Hey. Um, we would love to include any of your comments in our next episode as we continue our journey to discuss topics fairly and to queerly. fairies discussing topics fairly queerly and queerly, and queerly. expressing fair fairly fairy topics yes it's a, it's a long name we we, we understand that we, anyway we'll see you next time thank we'll you so much for joining you. us today Jer- thank uh, you thank uh, you Joanna. all for joining oh, us and we'll see you next time Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, we're done.
Hey, good luck on your sound check. Thank you so much. Thank you both for, for providing your input. I can't hear you anymore. My oh. headphones are out. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>